This is episode number nine of the School of Success podcast series with the amazing and inspiring Libby Brody, acclaimed theatre producer and founder of Bacchus and Brody, a London-based wine consultancy personally curating wines with you in mind. Welcome to the School of Success podcast series. My name is Melanie Pritchard, former lawyer turned success coach and corporate wellbeing trainer. And each month we bring you an inspiring person and message to help you discover the tools for creating happiness in the widest sense. Thank you so much everyone for spending some time with me today. Now, without further ado, let the class begin. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. We have a very special guest on today's episode of the School of Success podcast series, Libby Brody. Founder and theatre producer at Libby Brody Productions, turned inspiring entrepreneur and founder of Bacchus and Brody, a London-based wine consultancy personally creating wines with you in mind. Having graduated with a sociology degree from Bristol University, Libby kick-started her career at the Old Vic Theatre, working on record-breaking shows like Dream of the Dog to critical acclaim and going on to help produce more record-breaking shows like Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap and The Producers starring Jason Manford. And in suitably dramatic fashion, just as Libby was on the verge of some seriously exciting high-profile work projects, Covid hit. But nothing would quench Libby's indomitable spirit, which saw her pivoting into nothing less than the wine industry, creating her own business from scratch. Some of the topics we'll be covering in this interview include why lockdown is a prime opportunity to shift career, what the key factors are to consider before making that big change, the greatest challenges in shifting your life professionally, top tips for those really scared of taking the plunge, and the biggest myths around networking and beyond, and finally, how to deal with that all-important but invisible enemy, imposter syndrome. And after that rather inspiring introductory tease, I hope you're as excited as I was about this interview with this seriously inspiring Libby Brody. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the one, the only, Libby Brody. Absolutely thrilled to have the wonderful Libby Brody here on the School of Success podcast. Welcome to the show, Libby. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute delight. So, um, disclaimer for our listeners: I met Libby quite by accident when a wonderful friend Claire told me about this amazing girl who had shifted career during COVID from theatre production to running her own wine company. And I thought, who is this chick? She sounds amazing. I have to meet her. So that's how this came to be. 
So um, Libby, we'd love to just start off with um, a little summary about all things Libby Brody. How did, how did you go from where you were to where you are now? I will try to make this as brief as possible. Um, so basically, both my parents met at drama school. They were trained actors. My brother's an actor as well. So oh. there was loads of theatre in our in growing up and in our life. But I am quite self-conscious on stage. I get uh, yeah, nervous. So that was never going to be my path. Okay. And I tried just a bunch of things after graduating. I tried um, directing, which I was sucked at. Um, <laughs> I tried events. I was the theatre administrator for the Prince of Wales Theatre. Um, and eventually I ended up at the Old Vic Theatre. Mm. Um, where, well, where Kevin Spacey was at that point artistic director and I was working in the development team wow. um, with their members and things like that. And I mean, I've tried a lot of a lot of different paths because why the hell not? Just may as well yeah. find your way in. And it was during that time um, that I met a lady who said, would you like to produce this show I've got going on starring Dame Janet Sisman? Um, at that point, she wasn't Dame Janet Sisman. She became, she was made a dame just afterwards. So actually our production was named which was wonderful uh, during the <laughs> service. But, um, and I said, yes, <laughs> even though I had absolutely no idea what a producer really did at that point, um, or if I could do it, but I just thought, I generally just say yes and, yeah. and figure it out afterwards. Mm. So I said yes to doing this. I don't know if she knew I'd never produced anything before. Turned into uh, just a big hit, really. It sort of sold out. It had rave reviews. Um, oh. And then I was contacted by ATG, who at that point, the largest theatre-owning company, and they said that they had a, a space in their, one of their West End theatres if we wanted to transfer it, mm. which we had no money to, because we were doing this at Finborough, which is a tiny theatre. Um, and I had no idea about any of this. So I I took a leap, which I think we're more likely to do when we're younger. I feel we, we haven't been bruised at all. So we have this sort of, um, <laughs> you know, we feel we're going to be successful anyway. So I messaged uh, Adam Kenwright, who ran uh, AK, which is a marketing company. And I messaged him direct. I mean, when you think you're older, you probably go to their PA or something. And I said, hi, I've got this show. I think you should like, market it for me or something like that anyway he set up a meeting um and when i came in he said i was going to tell you absolutely not but actually having met you and having looked at the reviews not only are we going to market the show for you but i'm going to put money into it as well wow and thanks to him and people like alan carr um they put money into who knew one of the cast members and we got transferred to the trafalgar studios and ran there and from that I got headhunted by a production company called Adam Speaker Productions to be their assistant general manager. And I had my interview at the Groucho Club, which is now my home from home and my mecca, but it was the first time I'd been there. I thought awesome. it was incredibly glamorous and cool. And um, and the interview I was saying about this show and how I got it on and Adam Spiegel, I was saying how Adam Kenwright had done the marketing, put money in. He said, oh, um, you know, actually Adam Kenwright is uh, my best friend. And I'm going to give him a call right now in the interview because he doesn't put money into shows. Anyway, fixed up the phone uh, while I was there. And you get that horrible, cold sensation of going, did I just make that up? Did I lie? But I'm sure that's what happened. Um, and, and Adam Kenwright said, I give her 10 out of 10. You should definitely hire her or 11 out of 10 or whatever he said. So I got hired in there, went back, handed my notice to the old book, um, which still just gave me such an incredible, supportive start on all of this. And then I was with Adam Spiegel for five years. And, uh, until I was associate producer and then uh, really couldn't go anywhere else uh -huh. and really wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I looked at, you know, I couldn't go any further. It's Adam Spiegel Productions. It's literally his company. Um, 
but I couldn't find a company that I liked the look of. And I just thought, well, now's the time to really, actually at that point, uh, the boyfriend I was with proposed. And um, <laughs> I was sort of realized that actually this is not where I want my life to be. So I quit everything and went off to New York for a few months with my savings mm -hmm. to sort of meet people and start my own production company which I did, I brought um, Dave Hansen's play, Waiting for Waiting for Godot, which was a sort of spoof on um, uh, Waiting for Godot. It's two understudies waiting in the wings to go on. Very, very funny farce. Um, and I brought that back and put that on at the St. James, now called The Other Palace in London. Wow. And that's how I started my company. And then, <laughs> and then I've been doing that mm -hmm. and slowly but surely building LBP, Libby Brody Productions, um, done a number of shows from working with refugees and the homeless um, wow. with the Orwell Foundation to doing big sort of Madagascar, DreamWorks, Madagascar, the musical, both in the UK and internationally. Amazing. And a short film, um, which is now seeking distribution. And so I did all of that. And then, sorry, was this rambling? No, no, much? it's fascinating. Um, okay, so then, and then I got pregnant uh, with uh, my wonderful son, Bowen, and I did take a bit of a step back from work when he arrived. Mm -hmm. I had told my investors that I, <laughs> I will take three weeks off and then I'll be right back. <laughs> and um, I definitely was, I wasn't even showering every day <laughs> when it got to three, only three months. Um, but I was putting stuff together in the background and I was really excited because March, the 13th of March, he was turning one and I was going to announce um, that I had, I had a Madagascar on tour internationally, going wow. to places like South Africa and China and New Zealand. Mm. I had um, a show that the uh, Most Wanted Man in Sweden was a new production, and the Swedish Embassy is supporting it, going to the Trag Studios for twelve weeks run over Christmas. Wow. I had, um, I just had, a, I had sort of, a, I'd employed a general manager. Uh, so the company was expanding. It was going to be this big sort of, yes, I know I've been a bit quiet for a few months, but look at all of this, and that. And literally lockdown was announced the day of my son's birthday oh my goodness so all theater froze <laughs> um so the obviously the shows that i'd lined up um none of them we were indefinitely postponed there is yeah. a, still a set of madagascar sitting in new zealand somewhere <laughs> my waiting goodness. the world to, to write itself again and suddenly everything i've been working for just stopped Wowzers, what a contrast, hey? Yeah, yeah. It was not such a, I was like above title producer in the West, no, none of that, none of that. Oh. And I think that that was uh, quite an interesting moment. I bet it was. Gosh, so much, you packed so much in Libby. I mean, it's incredible. So what, what happened then? So obviously COVID struck, everything froze, as you say, the pen was hanging in the air. Then what? Yeah, well, I would... I was very fortunate because the Arts Council actually gave me not one, but two grants, which is phenomenal of them. One of them was to work on my project. So I had this um, brilliant play, which has not yet been seen by anyone, um, working title Baby Bomb about motherhood, which actually I wow. before I'd even dreamt of getting pregnant, which is very funny. Um, and they gave me money to work on that and the Swedish play. Um, and they also gave me another, um, 
fund just for me personally so mm. that I didn't go and get another job essentially so I could still be producing and creating work wow so for a large part of the lockdown I was actually doing things I never thought I'd do such as compose working with composers over zoom and Gosh. holding workshops and play readings over zoom <laughs> wow that was interesting not being the most technologically adept person yeah. uh, that was quick learning and um but at the same time I decided well I don't want to I'm not very good at free time so uh, I have a lot of energy um, and, I, and, I, and I like to learn and do new things. So at the same time, I decided to do the WSETs, which is the um, Wine and Spirit Education Trust mm. levels one to three. So I also completed those. Over, and I did an online diploma on um, coaching, actually, but that's sort of to one side. Mm -hmm. But I did the levels one to three on wine um, over lockdown and I passed them all with distinction both tasting and theory. And that is much harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought I was going to be learning how to drink some lovely wine. Mm -hmm. um, but in fact, it was a lot more about biology, science, geography, you know, mm. what the wind does in this area, what the terroir or soil is in these various different regions. It was Wowzers. quite intense. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I basically did that and qualified to level three. So yeah, that's... But that's fascinating, Libby. And was it just sort of like an interest in wine, something to pass the time? Or did you have a career plan at that stage? Not at first. I just, it, I, I, I was interested by wine. I mean, I've always, <laughs> anyone who knows me will know that I've always had an interest in wine. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was, it would be a fun thing to do at first because the level one is just one day. And I thought yeah. that'd be fun. And then um, level two was a bit more of memory, you know, trying to learn all these grapes. And I thought, gosh, this actually, there's a lot more to it. And I realized yeah. that I was drinking with more attention and intention. Mm. And it actually had an effect on my palate and a whole. I would pause and think about what I was tasting mm. and what I could tell about the wine, how it's been made, where it's come from. Mm. And it seemed very strange to me that um, as I was learning these things that were quite obvious, that firstly, we really care about our food. There's a mindfulness to food now from yeah. sort of, is it organic? Are they free range? How do you like your steak cooked? Yeah. You know, people really care. And then they'll go red or white. And what I was learning was that there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties out there. Right. And each one will have a completely different effect in a sort of scientifically molecular combination, you know, on the food you're eating, mm. on your palate, as well as the fact that that it's all to do with your memory sensors and, and and things that you sort of pair up with. It's why some people sort of take a sniff of a wine and go, oh, it's meadows and it's this. And um, it's not just them being a bit wanky. Sorry if I, I'm not going to say that word. <laughs> not them being a bit uh, weird. It, it's that it actually triggers different memories, these these molecules that are good for memories for us. Um, oh. And I thought, well, it's amazing to me that people, more people don't know this, that most people will go for a Sauvignon Blanc or a uh, Malbec and mm. you don't know that actually that could be making your food that you've bothered spending money on and you've bothered going out for better or worse and some really simple tips on like how to read a wine label and yeah and what these things are actually going to mean just for the average and I thought I've been drinking wine for 20 years legally it's like legally 20 years and <laughs> um and actually <laughs> um I don't know these really obvious helpful things that would just make me choose a bottle better if you've got absolutely a, so it's, it's so I started talking to a lot of people probably boring all my friends senseless with knowledge 
on this. And um, the way it went professional was a friend of mine called Ashwin Bhardwaj, who's an amazing uh, documentary and filmmaker and uh, a columnist for Telegraph. He was, we were talking about wine and he said, well, why don't you do the wines for my wedding? And I spoke to some of the people who supplied my wine when I was learning about it mm-hmm. and said, oh, you know, I've got a friend and I've been talking about what he likes. And, and they said, well, that makes you a wine consultant. So they sent me <laughs> 10 bottles of wine for free. I Wonderful. thought, wow, I wish I'd gotten onto this when I was in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I held a tasting mm. and um, Ash's fiance, now wife, Dre, um, who I did not know as well, basically said this was a really that my tone was so welcoming and warm because and this is actually the feedback I've had since because I was so recently someone who didn't know very much about it yeah that no one is afraid to ask stupid questions mm. because, or what they see as stupid questions because there are any stupid questions and I will say oh yeah I just worked that out too rather than these people who've been in wine for you know yeah. 50 years and can make you feel like a complete moron yeah um true so then so that's how that part happened i started sourcing wine Mm -hmm. and i got my applied for my license my wrs license so i can legally not a bootlegger legally (laughs) sell wine and that's part of what i do and then um and i curate these cases for people but also i um another friend of mine robin boot who was a professional rugby player in france and is now an actor slash model slash filmmaker slash photographer who i'd worked with in the theater world mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about wine and he had he was saying this is such a good idea to do these sort of four or five minute clips just to explain it for the lay person mm-hmm. so we also have a little uh, mm-hmm. igtv slash youtube series called boozy and the beast and on instagram it's at boozy beast tv where we do these quite irreverent, often innuendo-filled skits, um, <laughs> just to help people drink better. You know, just give some really hopefully helpful points. Amazing. Um, in an easy way. And that's awesome, um, Libby. And I actually watched one of your clips on um, Boozy and the Beast, and I loved it. It was really feel-good. I felt, I felt like I was actually with friends, and I could tell how much you were savouring the wine, the mindfulness of it, and it made it seem... It kind of brought a welcome um, difference of perspective because obviously so many of us during COVID have been hitting the booze quite yeah. mindlessly, whereas you're kind of teaching the opposite. Um, so it actually boosts well-being as well somehow when you learn to taste it in the in the real presence of the moment. Yeah, I, I, I actually think I probably I drink probably more regularly, but I drink far less and I'm not afraid now to pour it away or spit it out or, um, you know, because my brother was shocked when he, he <laughs> could, and I sort of opened a bottle, didn't like it, and chucked it down the sink. And he was like, what are you doing? And that is a bit wasteful, and I feel bad about it. I should have cooked with it. But um, it's also just not worth it. Yeah. Um, and I think, actually, wine should bring you joy. Like, it should... Oh. It's not, Yeah. It, I think of all, we all use it as a crutch mm-hmm. a, occasionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, after a long day with my toddler, I'm reaching for that glass of wine. And if I've held off till five o'clock, I pretty much congratulate myself. <laughs> but, it's, um, but I think that actually it has helped focus the mind on that. And I do, and I do think that's really important because it, it brings, it actually makes, it makes it far more pleasurable. Absolutely. More pleasurable. I love what you said. Wine should bring us joy. I am, um, this sounds incredibly naive, especially probably to someone as, um, you know, knowledgeable as you Libby, but um, I've never really paid much attention to different wines and I'm certainly not an expert, but I recently discovered the joys of um, Chardonnay and I just couldn't believe how deliciously buttery it is. And honestly, it was such a life enhancer, really discovering a wine that really kind of resonated with me, that really sort of sounds silly, but almost like my um my soulmate version of white wine. It was a real life enhancer. <laughs> so, You're like, yes, yeah. I found you. This is it. I mean, I love the Chardonnay grape because it's so 
versatile and if you have like a chablis which is the chardonnay grape Ooh. then it's obviously very it's very cool and crisp and green and flinty mm. but if you have a chardonnay from uh you know a hotter country then you're going to get sort of more of those tropical fruits and mm. and if it and those sort of creamier buttery notes very popular in california yes um, <laughs> it's, it's it's just a wonderful it's a wonderful very versatile wine to drink and it's it's really elegant i love a chardonnay it really is and i love talking to you about this because it kind of reframes um, wine, because wine's almost become a bit of a sinful activity, hasn't it? It, it almost mm-hmm. sounds really beautiful when, when you talk about it. And you're very Nigella Lawson-esque. You must have heard this before, right? <laughs> you get that quite a lot. Yes. Obviously, people can't see Libby, but she's incredibly beautiful. Obviously, has you know a lovely sort of um, English you know way about her, her language. Um, but you've got a lovely lilting voice. So, yeah, you kind of make wine yeah. sound like it's a sort of, I don't know, potion for well-being. It's wonderful. <laughs> Really well, yes, awesome. yes. Oh, actually, I actually was listening to a wonderful master of wine, um, the only, in fact, master of wine in India, who's a, wow. also a woman, which makes her uh, one in a billion, literally. Gosh. Um, and she was saying that wine is now becoming popular in India where it traditionally wasn't, and it, because it's seen as a healthy choice. Really? Um, yeah. So wine is seen as being sophisticated, but also a healthy choice with the. Um, you know, the, the percentage of alcohol I guess in it compared to spirits yeah and um mm. you know the, the, I don't know I don't know all the ins and outs but well, she I sounds wonderful so interesting because it's definitely not here <laughs> yeah it's seen as you know mother's crutch but that's absolutely it. I guess um, it's all about moderation isn't it um and quantity yes definitely I love what you say as well Libby about um I think that's a really important point people sometimes assume that if you're going to go into a business you know you have to be a specialist you have to know it all and be a you know a real expert but you're the second person on this podcast now who said it actually helps sometimes firstly when you don't know so much about a subject initially and it also makes it more relatable because you come to it with fresh eyes and you you make it less intimidating for others Mm. yeah and I think I think a large part of that is that I believe I believe as a person genuinely saying yes Hmm. and sort of figuring it out afterwards. Now, I don't mean by that, fake it till you make it. I know that's a slogan, but I don't mean to mislead anyone. Hmm. But I mean more that, yes, you can probably do this. And as hmm. long as what you're not saying yes to is not something like brain surgery, <laughs> then you're not going to die if you, if you muck it up. Um, so yeah. with something like wine or theatre or film, if it all got horribly wrong, yeah, no one would have died from that, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would now, but I don't think they would have. And, um, and I, so I'm a big believer in saying yes. And also, I think through years of this, yeah. I'm not afraid of, of trying and failing. Mm. In fact, I think it's quite important to realise that that is part of life. Mm. And I have been asked to talk at my university um, a few times. And I think the, tom- the talk was meant to be on theatre production. But uh, as one of the uh, professors who came to see it, said to me afterwards it was more sort of a talk on failure um, yeah. or how to fail because one of my important points was that uh, I went to Bristol University and I was sort of saying well if you've got to Bristol University then you've probably done you know, say you've done pretty well at school yeah. and at school you've probably done pretty well in a pretty in a pretty good school and you pro- you know, you've probably sort of you've basically been a big fish in a small pond and then you you go you graduate and you're like this is great and then you go out into the world uh-huh. and you are absolutely at some point going to cock up sorry i can't say that no, yes, you, yes you can absolutely Let okay, right. at some point you are absolutely going to cock up and if you're not prepared for that or if you're not someone who easily bounces back from that or you get obsessed by it and like go around and around yeah. then that's going to really affect you so it's important to just embrace it because every <clears> single <throat> successful person in history cocked up multiple times before they you know so true and also success is ongoing it's not like a end point yeah oh look i've got that promotion and i'm done mm. you know it's it's it's, a, it's an ongoing life philosophy mm-hmm. of 
what what is success for you and how do you continue down that path and that is also going to include not great moments yeah absolutely that's so true Libby thank you for sharing that immensely powerful nugget of wisdom one thing I've learned as a coach is I believe fear is the, the most disabling emotion fear of I'm not good enough I don't know enough I'm going to mess it up I don't know what I'm doing and what you just said it completely debunks that myth it's like don't worry if you're scared just try it anyway what's the worst yeah, that can I, happen and, and I think that everyone I do think that everyone has imposter syndrome I'm totally. yet to meet anyone who has not at some point suffered I, they're probably sociopaths if they haven't yeah <laughs> that's what I'm saying more. if you haven't felt this you're a weirdo yeah. but no I, I do think that everyone has this imposter syndrome that's a very natural thing and and you just have to combat that with the realization that everyone has this and and everyone everyone feels this to a certain extent so yeah. as long you just have to deal with it you just have to do it anyway just absolutely pull your socks up and do it anyway absolutely Libby um something I've also noticed is that often very competent, you know, accomplished people are almost the most perfectionist and that can stop them. But, you know, if it's not perfect, I, I can't do it. But actually, as you say, the expert in anything was once a beginner. Richard Branson, yeah, once upon a time, didn't know what he was doing, did he? He just put himself out there, as you say, pulled his socks up and um, yeah. didn't have to get it perfect, just had to get it going. I'm very lucky that I am not, nor have I ever been a perfectionist. Um, I think I've always been very ambitious mm -hmm. and I've always been very driven, Yeah. but I am not a perfectionist and I am not competitive, which I think, uh, surprises people mm -hmm. about me that I'm not, I'm, I'm more, I've definitely got a drive, but I don't compete. And I, I find that quite off putting. I'm definitely more into collaboration. I don't think that's always yeah. been the case. I do remember my boss saying I had to stop measuring my dick. Which I, <laughs> really? that's I hilarious. compare really? myself to people of my age in the industry and what they were all doing. And yeah. it's like, just get over it and do your thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> stop measuring your day. I'm like, okay, I yeah. don't, don't know what that means, but all right, Adam. Um, and yeah, so basically I, I think now not competitive, but very collaborative. And I think that's mm. the way forward for work in general. Definitely. And I actually think for life as well, Libby, because there's so much that comes up in terms of mental health and stress around the comparison culture, especially with, mm -hmm. you know, the intensity of social media. So I think that's another golden point you just mentioned don't compare yourself to others because half the time let's be honest it's bullshit it's self-branding yeah. um online you don't actually know what's going on at all whether someone's marriage is falling apart or whether they're actually really struggling um so yeah that's another really really good point um yeah so I many questions yeah. so many so questions i, I want to ask you thing is huge yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more so many things i want to ask you libby but one um what you're saying about collaboration and not sort of competing Obviously, you know, you've mentioned some really inspiring people that you've had the fortune to know or come across. Um, so I know some listeners might be thinking, oh, you know, maybe it's just been really easy for Libby. Maybe she's just, you know, got an amazing network and is just really good at networking. And that's something that seems to be a real fair point for um, a lot of people, actually. I don't know how to network. What is networking? I can't network. I'm an introvert. I'd love to know your thoughts around that. Um, well... I think that networking has this negative connotation. It has this, this negative vibe to the word because people see it as being a bit sharky, being insincere. I'm going to work the room. Um, yeah. And there's nothing genuine there. And I know that people have said to me in the past, you know, this is Libby. She's amazing at networking. Or, oh, you're just so good at networking. Yeah. Um, which I will take as a compliment. But I think that... For me, I genuinely like people. Like, mm. I really like people. And as you can probably tell, I like talking. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you put me in a room with a bunch of people, uh, I am going to talk to a lot of people. Um, yeah. And I think that that is another thing that I'm very 
lucky to be blessed with um that i really enjoy people meeting people mm. talking to people i'm not a very judgmental person yeah. um and i i think that being genuine is so valuable and being genuinely interested in someone is so valuable mm. and i think that networking you have an easy win there because all it really is is talking to someone about a shared interest mm. and if networking is for work <clears throat> then you have a shared interest you're probably talking to that person because you're both in the same industry yeah. or you're both going to work on a project together or you've got some project you think they might actually find interesting or they have a project that you find interesting yeah so it's a bit like the small talk part's done because you already have this common interest mm. and then chat away and i think people who are self-conscious about oh i need to schmooze this person i need to work the room like that's not it at all yes you could go to a party or a meeting or whatever it is and speak to one person that you found interesting mm -hmm. and no one else yeah and that's valuable absolutely and i i think that i've been very fortunate that i have been helped a lot throughout my working life um by people who've supported me who've put me forward for things who've backed me up mm. um and people who want how i i'm trying to think of anyone who hasn't but generally people who work with me want to work with me again yeah which i think is the biggest compliment and totally. i and i think a large part of that is just that i like them <laughs> it's true like me and we we can communicate on that ground and i think that that's a very valuable important point for anyone totally and it reminds me Libby, you know you really can't buy people skills and often people get fixated on how do i be a good leader what are the ingredients or you know, how, how can I improve, you know, building relationships? But as you say, it's all about being genuine, um, getting out of that sort of how should I be, which usually mm. signals misalignment to, well, what does interest me? How do I feel about this person? What do I actually want to know about them? What do I want to yeah. share with them? I think that's wonderful. Such good advice. Yeah, amazing. Um, okay, so going back a few steps, Libby, I'm really interested. So you obviously sort of accidentally fell into wine, <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which I think has has a valuable point in it in and of itself that one of your friends said, oh, you do realise, Libby, you're actually, you know, basically a wine consultant. And I think there's something quite powerful about falling into things that interest you, because I think often people overthink careers, you know, like, you know, how do I find the right thing? And it's really important to stress, well, what are you interested in? What do you actually want to literally open a book on and read about or go and do a course on just as you did? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a very powerful point, that holistic sort of approach that you took. But when you realised that you quite enjoyed the course and all oh, this is actually more complex and challenging in many ways, like what yes. steps did you take after that to kind of build your business? Um, well, it's kind of crazy to me that my level one I did in March 2020 and we're now February and I have this multi-layered company now. Yeah. But, um, so basically, uh, level two, I started doing tastings. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I did level three, which is a six week course, um, uh, which is really quite a step up. Um, mm. Six weeks. Wow. <laughs> it is quite a lot. A lot of wine tasting. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of wine tasting. They had the wines lined up at nine in the morning. Oh, wow. And you, oh, yes. You're meant to spit. Some of them, I have to say, I didn't spit because they were just too good. But, um, but yeah, so basically... Uh, at this point, I started doing tastings largely for friends because friends were like, oh, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. And then people would sort of offer, um, I think I realized that I was doing all this advice stuff for free and fun mm -hmm. tastings for friends and that actually I, sh I should really monetize this. Yeah. Or I could, I, that, that I could monetize this. So I started putting together 
with my wholesalers, I, I, I started approaching wholesalers that I liked their wines that I'd been drinking anyway, and said, could I work with you? Um, this is from large companies like uh, Corny and Barrow and Jeff Bohm's, who I work with, to this, this wonderful company called Sea Change um, that I, that I, I think I was the, I think I was one, I think I was the first wine consultant or independent wine person to, um, I approached them and said, can I sell your wines? And uh, they said, oh, we haven't even got the paperwork to put that together, so let us do that. Um, <laughs> and I'm actually staring at massive boxes of their beautiful Negro Amaro at the moment. Ooh. And they are a sustainable wine company. Their their labels are made from grape waste. They're lighter bottles, so uh, less carbon footprint. They don't have the, they have plant-based closures and they foil. Anyway, so I'm sort of get passionate. I'm sorry if I go mm. off on tangents, but I get passionate about all this sort of stuff. Sounds wonderful. But, uh, talking to like wine wholesalers about working with them and then putting cases together for people. And because I'm still very small, my, my, um, actually I have this wonderful friend uh, and branding manager called Anna Lancaster and she was amazing and gave me all these ideas and, uh, helped me with my logo and my website, which is done by Russell Pierce, which is amazing and put this sort of together as a company form. Amazing. Um, and I started putting these cases together and bless my brother, who's wonderful, Callum, he, uh, we do a once a month delivery in London, zones one to three, and we drop off these cases. And because I'm so small, the point of me, and it's because I'm so interested in it, is that I I personally curate the wines for the individual. So I'm not like a Lathwaite's or um, a Naked Wines or, or a company that has a lot of stock in, mm-hmm. so they have to, you know, they fill up their monthly cases. A client will say to me, um, I've got a client at the moment who said, um, I want 12 wines, uh, for this budget, and I want to focus on women winemakers and sustainable wines, ethical wines. I've got another one who said, oh. I'm having a you know, dinner party and we're doing fondue and beef. So like four wines to go fondue, two beef. And, mm. um, or another person who said, we've got a wedding anniversary for my parents. This is our budget. They like Italian reds, you know, and I, and I sort of do the research, which I love doing. Yeah. Obviously. Um, in fact, I end up with lots of half open bottles of wine because I <laughs> my husband barely drinks and ideal uh, for you wine at all. <laughs> and I, sort of, I open a bottle half a glass and then I drop it at a neighbor's house amazing <laughs> I, I wish I was your neighbor <laughs> um yeah no my neighbors are, and local parent friends do very well uh, yeah. from the occasional half a bottle three quarters of a bottle drops off on the doorstep wow. but um but yeah now I've gone off a tangent I can't even remember what I was, but I, was about. I was asking you about sort of um yeah, what steps you took when you realized you wanted to go into wine and how you kind of built your business. So you were telling me how you know you did sort of wine consulting. So, yeah, so obviously... I started doing practical stuff with friends because I do think it's always helpful to have reassuring voices in the room when yeah. you're trialing something out. Totally. Which they were. And I did them both in person when we were allowed to and uh, over Zoom. Mm. And then people, and then it sort of spread by word of mouth, both in the cases and the tastings. And we've, I've done like a Hindu, I've done dinner parties, wow. where just to sort of make it a bit more fun, yeah. people have sent me the Zoom link, and then I've either sent the wines to them in advance, or they've told me what they're drinking, and then I pop in at sort of 8.30 or 9 o'clock and go, hi, and do a sort yeah. of, make, make the dinner party a bit more interesting in this loathsome lockdown where everyone's just craving a bit more of entertainment and fun. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. And applying for my AWRS license and working with a branding manager to make the website and logo and everything tie in and again be genuine to me. Mm. I think it's very important that I wasn't really sure where I fit it. it. Anyway, I am not establishment, old world, wine. I've been in this for generations. I know everything about this. Nor am I, as as you can see, because you can see me, um, a cool, funky wine, hipster, punk wine person. <laughs> I'm, I'm very much for the average 
like the average Joe who wants to drink a bit better, who wants to pay a bit more attention to the wine they're drinking, mm-hmm. um, who wants to try new things, but who is a bit like me, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and that's sort of my, my target market. So it's being genuine to that and not pretending to be anything that I'm not. Absolutely. I think that's such good advice because... You know, being genuine, that's what builds connection, doesn't it? Authenticity really builds connection. People worry too much. I've got clients who sometimes say, I don't know how to be, you know, I was once myself and it didn't go down well. Well, the only way is to be yourself. And maybe occasionally someone won't like that, but the only way you can really build connection is from being authentic, isn't it? And I love that about you. I really felt that immediately when I spoke to you. It was great. Um, So a burning question on my lips, Libby. Um, Obviously, a lot of people have been really struggling through COVID, you know, like, oh my God, like I can barely get out of bed you know I've been in my tracksuit bottoms all day and just lose all motivation I'm guessing that wasn't your experience because you seem to have got an awful lot done (laughs) talk me (laughs) through that like how was it for you I don't think that's ever very much been me I think that for a lot of people the first lockdown when this all happened Mm. was fascinating because I mean obviously dreadful Um, I don't mean to lighten any of the tragedies that happened but I think that We are, as a society, we are, as a society, so goal-driven, mm. so future-focused. Mm. Uh, what's next? You know, the next house, the next holiday, the next promotion, the next event. Um, we're always looking to the future. And if all of your goals, everything you're working towards, all that future is sort of ripped away, it's suddenly, well, it's not gone forever, but it's sort of in limbo for, for, for as long as we can see. Yeah. If all of those are gone... What are you left with in the present moment? And that's down to relationships, mm-hmm. work, the home that you're in. Um, and I, as a personality type, don't like to sit on my laurels. Mm. Uh, so I thought that's interesting. All these goals that I have have gone. Mm. So what can I do with this? And I sort of, I have said, did up the house, moved around a lot of furniture, left a garden. Um, never thought that would happen. Cooked different dishes like every day. Stopped the freezer, completely used to see because we still got deliveries. I don't know why I was panicking. Um, you know, like made all these dishes and froze them. Um, I, I really went into doing a lot of different things. I actually lost some weight because wow. I started exercising, which really I hadn't been focusing on before. Incredible. Um, and, and eating, like obviously no takeaways, no restaurants. We normally eat in a restaurant most evenings and or many evenings and so I was cooking everything from scratch and getting these vegetable boxes and actually again paying more attention to sort of the local butcher and the local vegetable box and realizing more about the local community that um we don't have a car so you know the local community that I could walk around um and I think that it's when all of your projected goals and everything you thought was going to happen doesn't happen Mm. and it's totally out of your control um, which was quite refreshing for me because there's no guilt. Oh, it didn't happen because I didn't work hard enough. I did. There's just yeah. nothing you can do. There's yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. So it's a real refocusing, a crystallizing yeah. of what your life actually is. Yeah. Not what you wanted to be or what it could be or what it might be in the future, what it actually is mm. and how happy you are with it. Yeah. And, um, and I think that we really, it made a lot of people rethink their present. Mm. Absolutely. And I love what you said earlier, Libby, you used two words that I discovered recently in a powerful quote, you, you mentioned attention and intention. And I had this wonderful quote, it's part of the 21 day Deepak Chopra meditation challenge, which I would rave about for anyone. And in one of the days, he said um, something to the effect of attention energizes, intention transforms. But to make a change, we need to have the time and space to give our lives att- attention, don't we? 
And then having mm. done that, like, oh, I've got time because my theatre stuff's paused. What do I want to do? Oh, I'd like to learn about wine. You had the attention to think about what interested you and you took steps. And then from that, you created this amazing intention that's driving you forward now. It's um, it's a wonderful sort of, yeah, another pearl of wisdom for people, really. We have to create space, don't we, to really give attention to how we want to make change in our lives. Absolutely. It's, it is definitely, a, I actually have a slight aversion personally to the word mindfulness, but it really is about that. Yeah. Because I, 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 I'm like, oh, mindfulness, oh, meditation, oh, I don't like all of that. But actually yeah. it is that, isn't it? It is this, this reframing of the word perhaps with yeah. attention and intention. Yeah, absolutely. I know what you mean. They can kind of sound quite cliche, can't they? So mm. um, really, um, yeah, I'm just wondering what our listeners would be thinking right now. And I bet they'll be thinking, gosh, Libby sounds, you know, super, super confident, super woman, you know, she really um, rode the wave of COVID and has created so much success. Um, she just sounds effortlessly confident. And I remember you, you shared something very powerful with me about, I think it was your husband. Actually, who, um, it wasn't, it was actually an ex. Oh, was but, it an ex? Um, yes, uh, an ex said to me that I was the most overconfident, underconfident person he'd ever met. Um, and I think that that's fairly accurate. Um, I think I find myself very confident in situations that perhaps traditionally people don't, such mm -hmm. as meeting people, uh, going into a big room of people, you know, being by myself, <clears> like a restaurant by myself, or you know, that I'm perfectly at ease with. Mm -hmm. But obviously I have moments of crippling doubt, um, you know, particularly with the imposter syndrome that I, I mentioned earlier, or, you know, everyone else knows about this and I really don't, who the heck am I to talk about it sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, and obviously I think we all have, I presume we, most of us all have those sort of insecurities. Um, it's just trying very hard not to dwell too much on them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, or, or to sort of put them in their place, to acknowledge them and go, oh yes, you're having that moment and then and then move on from it. But I am not, I am not a totally confident person by any means. Yeah. But I also, also I think with, with age and time, um, I think it's embracing the fact that we now start to realize that failure does happen. Mm. It's okay not to have all the answers. It's fine not to be perfect. At school, you want to be top, well, maybe you don't if you're cool, but like you want to be top of a class or you want <laughs> to pass with an A. Yeah. And then I think when you're an adult, you sort of go, actually, I want to do pretty well. <laughs> I want yes. to be okay. Yeah. Um, I want to, you know, there are other priorities. Absolutely. Um, happiness and joy is a huge <clears throat> priority for me. Oh, yeah. If someone doesn't bring me joy, I'm not around them. If, if this food or drink isn't bringing me joy, I'm not going to consume it. If wow, you know, if it's 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 a joy thing because I want mm. and joy for me is quite a powerful wor word mm. um, to harness that professionally and personally. Wow, um, I love the way you say it. Um, I can really feel that from you. I love that because it's like if it's not a kind of fuck yeah, it's a no. And actually, if we all lived our lives more in that way, we'd be so much more aligned with what truly makes us happy, wouldn't we? Whether it's personal yeah. relationships, romantic yeah. relationships, business yeah. collaborations, the whole shebang. I mean, obviously things like, I mean, relationships, things like, they take compromise. I mean, once you're, once you're married, you're locked in. So <laughs> locked in, locked down. <laughs> locked in and locked down. So you've yeah. got to make compromises. I mean, it can't yeah. be, a, you're not bringing me joy, you're out. Yeah, exactly. And definitely, apparently, you're not allowed to do that with toddlers. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, it's all, you know, there are, there are great areas. <coughs> yeah. For my own, the only thing you can affect in the world is your own reaction to it, which I know yeah. is a bit of a hackneyed phrase, but is so genuinely true um and something that i'm definitely not perfect at <clears throat> absolutely you try and make it 
make yourself feel the joy make make bring that for you then then that yeah. all filter through hopefully that's amazing Libby and something I really feel from you is um you've got a strong mind so you're not invulnerable you know you, like you say you can feel crippling doubt or feel like an imposter or have awful stage fright but um I like the power of your mind and the way that you've mentioned a few times reframing things I recently read I don't know if you've read this amazing um autobiography Matthew McConaughey's book Green Lights but I'd recommend it because it's got lots of pearls of wisdom but he's very light and comic with it so it's got this lovely sort of quite fruity buoyant tone <clears throat> and on page I think it's page four or something it was so simple but he said something like in life you either change the situation or you change the way you look at it and I thought it's so obvious but he's spot on and I like the way that you're really big into reframing things and you'll acknowledge a feeling but you won't dwell, dwell on it too much. Mm. I try not to. I mean, obviously, again, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yes, I think I think that is a really. It sounds like a book that I've definitely got to read. Yeah, maybe you need to write a book as well. I was thinking as you said that you've got <laughs> you've got you know you're a natural coach. You've got lots of um yeah fantastic mantras. Um, I just want to swing around to a slightly different topic quickly, Libby, because um, you mentioned obviously that the next boyfriend made this perceptive observation about you. Um, and when we were chatting, it was fantastic. You were telling me how you actually broke up with a guy um, who I think you were quite serious with. And and then your life took a sudden kind of quite a different short term turn. And I'd love you just to share that with our listeners, because I think it really captures your spirit. Was this with the going to New York and everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yes, I oh gosh. So basically, I, I'm I am by nature have been a serial monogamist. I wasn't um, sure you were going to say then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Um, and I, uh, you know, my my parents are very very happily, disgustingly happy married. Um, and it was mm -hmm. always that sort of want for, desire to have that partnership. But a few times in my life, um, I think the partners wanted to make it a lifelong thing, mm. and I have gone oh my gosh we're not my parents I must run away yeah. um but yes I think with my with that particular person uh when they proposed it was very clear to me it was clear to me before then but this, this was not the right choice yeah potentially for either of us um and that's when I also just uh, quit my job for my very understanding and lovely and supportive boss Adam and uh and went to New York and sort of started a whole new path and then I went on to <laughs> match.com um where i because i figured that um i'd had a lot of boyfriends and i was i was like look i just want to meet a partner you know my, my partner for the rest of my life so i um i thought that, that if you had to pay money and fill out huge forms a man's going to be invested in a relationship rather than a than a fling yeah so i i went on to match.com and basically had in my head seven fundamental points which i'm not divulge hmm. but um but you know I, I had before then thought i really want someone who loves reading i really love someone who loves the theater and then i thought to myself well, i can go to the theater in the opera with a friend i can hmm. read by myself mm -hmm. what are the fundamentals for a life partner together yeah. and obviously yes kindness and loyalty that's on there but i was talking like day-to-day -day, like likes food and drink or you know uh, whatever it is you know good family values sort of things like that yeah and i um and my husband said that basically I came back from, I put that on there, I came back from New York and I met my husband, I think it was a week to the day. Wow. Two, two weeks to the day after I'd sort of written that down. And I, and my husband said that it was like a job interview. Our first date was like a job interview because <laughs> I, I, I just thought to myself, there was absolutely no point mm. pretending that you know you like foreign films i like foreign films like you know oh no no i don't mind you eating my chips you know whatever it is there's no point pretending because he will figure it out eventually yeah so let's just say exactly what you are mm -hmm. exactly what you're looking for yeah and and not you know beat about the bush and um 
yeah and and at the end of the first date I was like well this guy is completely not the one for me really <laughs> well yeah because um he he'd said when I'd asked about holidays he said he liked beach holidays I don't like sand I like city breaks <laughs> and uh, like really and I was just like mm, I'm not sure if we'd ever be able to holiday together so I, so I was just like no I, I actually tried to set him up with a friend of mine <clears> but for some reason at the end of the date just really wanted him to kiss me and he didn't which was annoying and he didn't even try and um and then I thought about setting up with him with my friend um who actually gets on very well but I <laughs> Then was like, no, actually, I do want to see him again, and it was pretty instantaneous. Wow, that he sort of felt like home. Oh, he felt like the right choice. That's so um, lovely. And a year to the day later, we were engaged, and a year later, we were married. And yeah, so all I think when you meet the right person, it 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 clicks. Totally. But there's obviously now a lot of catching up because we've only known each other for five years. Well, exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of the the other way around, but um, that's really uplifting for people to hear because obviously. I know I've got a lot of friends and clients who get quite um, demoralized with dating apps sometimes. So it's nice to hear a really positive story and also to hear about, you know, your approach towards a different kind of dating app that required some investment and maybe attracted a more committed kind of person. Definitely. And I think, again, it's about <clears throat> being genuine and yeah, and having integrity. And I think integrity is probably a fundamental watchword for me hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. I if I give my word, I keep my word. If yeah. I say I promise something, I, I never use the word promise because um, I really feel awful if I ever break it. And, mm. and I think it, when approaching <clears throat> that date, that sort of process, I just had to be absolutely genuine because if that wasn't what they were after or if that wasn't right for them, yeah, then there's no point messing this about for another few months. What the, who the hell has time for that? Absolutely. It's too much to conquer in the world. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to ask you one more question about that, Libby, because I know I've got um, quite a few clients who want to know a little bit more of this sort of juicy <laughs> intel. You sound like um, a bit of a gifted manifester. You know, you said you got really clear. I love the way you said you had seven fundamentals. It sounds yeah. like some sort of like AA kind of 10 step program <laughs> to cure addiction, but the other way around. Um, how did you get clear on those fundamentals? Was it was it super clear to you? Had you got really clear or like how did the penny I mean, drop? I've done a lot of research. I've really <laughs> the world. I mean, I think uh, at one point with one boyfriend, every day we went on, we bumped into someone I dated. It was hilarious. I mean, even if we were out of London, we went to different countries. I went to Morocco oh my with my gosh. friend Hindu. I mean, it was, I have dated the world. That's hilarious. <laughs> and I think it's just lots and lots of research. Yeah. Um, and what I realized actually was important. Yeah. So important. I just want to pause on that point because I think so often people overlook that. They're like, what's wrong with me? He's such a nice guy. You know, maybe I can make this work. I should like him. He's a really good egg. You know, loads of these guys are idiots. But I always say, you know, love is pretty like career. You have to research the market to get clear on what's going to work and what's not going to work. You know, yeah. it's yeah. just the same. You need to be proactive about it and maybe not date the world. But I get what you're saying. It's a valid point. <laughs> no, maybe don't date the world. Like, again, I like people. Like, I exactly. genuinely love meeting yes. I'm not saying I stop them all but like I, you know but I genuinely but quite a few but I, I genuinely yeah. like people and, uh, and I'm interested in them yeah and, uh, yeah I think that's just a, a fundamental a uh, good thing absolutely and, uh, but yeah I think that when you when you when you click with that person there isn't any rationale necessarily but mm. it does help to have a very clear idea on what are your non-negotiables totally that's wonderful um, so just taking a step backwards towards the career stuff, um, Libby. So obviously, you know, you're someone who's very proactive and you love people and that supported you quite a lot um, on your quest. Have you found that there have been any challenges um, on your path at all that you've sort of had to grow through or any kind of real learning points? There probably have been. Um, 
I do tend to focus on the positives. I, yeah. which is not always a good thing. I, so I've had obviously like challenges. The the night the night that we were opening the first show of my company, I was contacted by the Beckett Foundation. Um, Samuel Beckett wrote Waiting for Godot, who oh. said that they were going to take us to court and sue us. Oh my gosh! Um, for this this show, and I basically went back and forth with their lawyer, sitting in the foyer of the theatre. Um, and in the end, I called their bluff and said, "Okay then." Wow. Because LVP was small. It was my first show. And I was like, well, I'll take me to court. Gosh. I'll declare bankruptcy. And, you know, never mind. It's all, it's gone. Yeah. Um, we'd worked too hard on the show for it not to go on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I called up. <clears throat> they went, okay, then fine. On it goes. Um, and then, um, so, I mean, there have been challenges. And in the world of wine, um, I am sure, I haven't yet because I've been very fortunate to do it in lockdowns. I haven't met people. But I I do know that it, it has traditionally been male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I do know that I read Wine Girl recently by Victoria um, James, and you know, there's obviously there can be sexism and stuff in in any industry, mm. um, but I haven't experienced that yet, thankfully. But I do think that there is not not in wine in theatre. I have yeah. not in wine, um, and I do think that there are always going to be challenges and moments that are. I mean, obviously, losing investors' money, mm. sort of you know, COVID shutting down theatres i still owe my investors money Hmm. um and that's not something that i'm walking away from i sent them an email recently saying these are the future plans yeah um for me and my co-producers or you know that the cellar door and um basically i i did say that we have every intention of getting you the money back and heart and hook yeah Um, when as soon as it opens up and can do that. But obviously <clears> that's a very difficult thing to have to say to someone. Oh yes, you've put money into the show, you've had faith in me and this production and it's gone. Absolutely, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's um unnerving, isn't it? Lots yeah. Of, yeah, really good examples. And you mentioned Lydia, um, obviously you love people and I know that that can make networking or, you know, meeting people, building relationships that bit easier. But you mentioned, you know, um Sea Change, I think they were called, great name, <laughs> and how you just approach them. Um, some people I know will be thinking, Well, what does she mean I just approach them? And this is something that we talk a lot with our clients about, you know, well, how do you approach someone? How do you seduce someone into connecting with you? Do you have any top tips for how to approach someone or how to really get them on a hook but whilst being genuine to build that connection? What do you do? Um, I think that my, for me, meeting people, uh, as in when, when I'm connecting with people, it's always worked more when I haven't tried to be too snottily professional. Yeah. I think when I've tried to be more sort of like I'm so and so and I've done this and this and this yes. amazing and uh, you should... that's always worked less well for me mm. than when I've sort of blundered into emailing Adam Kenwright straight mm-hmm. off the bat being like I got this show you should, you should help me with it mm. um to on the sea change actually is I'd watched um an interview uh with Lizzie from sea change um with uh Instagram uh, wine influencer and wine communicator skin and pulp and mm. uh, i thought it was really interesting and i messaged her on instagram and said i'm looking into an episode on sustainability for boozy and the beast i'd love to know your wines are not too expensive but you've done all this stuff does it mean that the wine is worse you know is the not, not worse but you know yeah the cut has to come somewhere is it the wine yeah and she very kindly sent me a couple of bottles to say like try it for yourself and it was delicious and then i thought mm. well I put a post on my Instagram. My my wine Instagram is a little sip of me time with underscores between the words. So a underscore little, it's a bit of a hassle, but a little sip of me time. And um, I had put a couple of posts about it up and had a really good reaction from people saying, this is you know, great wine and sustainable for the planet. Mm. So that's when I thought, well, I should put these in the cases that I do. So I contacted them and said, would you be interested in Amazing. me supplying them? 
That's so cool. Um, I actually interviewed the, on my last podcast, George Bramble from um, Bico, and a similar sort of um, dichotomy there. So he runs a sort of company that focuses on sustainable dog products, mostly like amazing like bowls made out of bamboo. And um, so it's sort of love your dog, love our planet. But it's a very clever um, duality, isn't it? Because people feel they're actually making a difference while spending money. So that um, sounds like a pretty cool brand. So it sounds like um, part of your approach was, again, just being genuine and you genuinely seen something that inspired you and expressed that, you know, so you weren't yeah, trying to... And, and not being afraid of them saying no. Yeah. The worst that someone can say is no. <clears throat> and then you go, okay, and they might say no because they're having a terrible day. Yep. They might say no because it's not allowed for their yep. company or they've already got agreements set up. Yeah. There might be all these reasons. And the thing is, you don't know. So mm. don't... If it's a no, that's, that's yes. it. Not a, Absolutely. Not, not so bad. It's like, what's and, the worst uh, that can happen? And my, my company is it's called uh, Bacchus and Brody. Yeah. Um, Bacchus, obviously, because the god of theatre mm-hmm. and wine. So, obviously, my god. And no you've got to god first. Yeah. So, Bacchus and Brody now represents them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had nothing but amazing feedback. And I think if wow. we... Sustainability is going to be consumer-driven. It's going to be consumer-led. Any change, change has to be consumer-driven. Mm. And I think that that's a very important part of it. So, the more I can get it out there, the more... Um, totally. the more anyone can get it out there the better it's going to be for the industry as a whole and the planet as a whole absolutely so inspiring um what's i going to say i was thinking of something when you were saying that yeah something that i've, I've just found on the topic of approaching is i was recently i'm about to have a chat with somebody quite senior in a company and, and i'm pretty comfortable with people and you know building relationships like you libby but i did feel a bit nervous because i was a bit like oh he's terribly senior and important and then i thought no take it back to what's actually what's actually engaging me about his LinkedIn? What am I interested in? What what really is resonating with me genuinely? And like like you, um, went in bumbling, got onto the Zoom call. There was like Reiki music blaring through my kind of one of my windows. I was like, holy smokes, 24 windows, where's this music coming from? But actually just by, um, you know, being a bit more natural and working out what is actually, you know, interesting me about this person and just going for what you genuinely feel is so much better. I love this theme that comes through with you because you're so glamorous. Obviously people can't see you're so glamorous and elegant, but you're also really genuine with it. So it's quite a killer combo, actually. It's, it's a killer combo. I love it. And as you said, you do work with like, you know, the All Well, All well Foundation and, you know, refugees and the homeless. So, you know, you've got a heart as well as being, you know, a very commercial so awesome. <laughs> I hope so Definitely. um yeah no I, I I'm yeah I think yeah I think that is a, I think that's an important change in how business is as well now I think totally. people want businesses with heart yeah. they want I mean people say about Instagram followers you get more if you're actually genuine and people yeah. care about as you say sustainability and eco-friendly products and mm. this idea of being genuine and having a bit of a heart and collaborating and supporting totally that's really key that's been a real change since I don't know the 80s hasn't it yeah. um in it's the true. world of work it's no more wolf of wall street yeah well, I mean there is but do you know me it's now it's Absolutely. It's a whole different way of thinking about yeah. work and work as part of our lives. Yes. And that sort of conscious capitalism, it, it feels quite um, parallel to COVID, doesn't it? The giving, being kind, you know, valuing nurses and valuing um, professionals, even, you know, the bin men or key workers in the way that we may not have done previously because they make a difference when the chips are down. So, yeah, important point there. Um, this might be a, an interesting question for listeners, Libby. Um, obviously, you sort of fell into wine, but do you have a tip for anyone who's thinking, God, I'm so flat and bored in my job and like, where do I even begin? Like working out what I want to do? You know, how do I even, like, is passion important? Can you be passionate about about a job? Do you have any tips about how to kind of find your passion or where to start? Coffee. 
coffee is my tip <laughs> as, in, as in message message people if you are umming and ahhing mm -hmm. message people that who are in the industry or affiliated with the industry that you are interested in yeah and ask them for a coffee mm. i did that a lot when i was starting out and i think everyone is at home and might have a half an hour for a zoom mm. i've actually done that myself people have asked me for a coffee and i think everyone yeah. has enough time potentially mm. on the house to, to fit in a half hour zoom somewhere um <clears throat> and get talking don't obviously i'm not going to say quit your job yeah. do <laughs> you do you in that way you know just like throw it to the wind because people have responsibilities and yeah. we're not children yeah. so don't do that but have get talking to people who are doing what you're interested in mm. and find out how they genuinely feel about it mm. uh what they've learned from it and figure it out but if you are but take that step if you're feeling flat with with your life Mm -hmm. then start talking to people who will inspire you or yeah. who will know a bit more about what you think might inspire you. Mm. And I, I have absolutely, definitely, 100% put people off becoming theatre producers. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, they, oh my they, they came and had sort of a, a drink with me or a, a coffee with me and... I basically told them about what it was, a lot of Excel spreadsheets, yeah. a lot of like, you know, uh, money raising, a lot of uh, working with a number of different, you know, departments and 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 the hours it was and the lack of money, quite frankly, you know, it's not mm. going to pay you a regular salary. It's a risky, it's a risky game. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and yes, I had a I had a wonderful letter actually from a, a girl at Bristol University being like, thank you so much. I value that work experience with you. And I've decided that I'm absolutely not going down. <laughs> 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 and um, wow. and I think that's just as valuable. Totally. Just as valuable. So I'm... just talk to people and see. Yeah. It does actually inspire you. I'm so glad you said that because clarity can be a process of elimination. And I'm also so thankful that you've recognised the importance of chats because so often with career coaching, people are scared of doing that. And I get it, especially if you're not such an extrovert. You're obviously an extrovert. Um, mm -hmm. I understand it can be scary as an introvert. But everybody's been there, haven't they? Everyone's felt confused in their life and people are much more willing to give you 15 minutes of their time than you might think. And that is the most high results producing activity. Internet research takes you so far. But as you say, these chats really bring it to life, don't they? Yeah, they help you know more about what you're interested in. Yeah. And if someone ever thinks, oh, I know someone who might be good for that. Oh, you need an intern. Or you need someone to you know, work yeah. with you on a project. Oh, I know someone who might yeah. be interested in doing that. So Absolutely. yes, I think I think that's, don't, I think it's fear and it's also pride. Mm. I mean, people don't want to look like a fool. Yeah. And I get that. But yeah. actually, it really doesn't matter if you look, I've looked yeah. like a fool many many times yeah <laughs> and I, and I think it's absolutely that is brilliant that. it's, it's um, great advice and I think that really links back to the just be yourself don't be afraid to kind of mess up um sometimes I meet people in my realm of work and they'll organize the chats but I'll always say make sure that you're that you're genuine ask the ask the vulnerable questions that you really want the answers to the ones that you're scared might make you look bad because those are the ones that give you the real clarity and insight don't be afraid to look like a fool that's such a good piece of advice Libby okay so we're nearing the end now um Libby so it's really interesting because obviously you're you know you're thick into this you know wine world you're doing really well in it um but you I remember you saying that you've still got the theatre stuff obviously you're nice so like how do you kind of like, what's your story around that? How do you kind of brand that? Um, or how will no, actually, you brand that going forward? And what's your plan? It's sort of on ice, but actually very exciting. This weekend, the 21st, a, a musical that I have been working on for about five years now, which was which was going to go, uh, uh, I was going to do for a run this year, but never mind. Um, the musical is based on a Jilly Cooper novel. Wow. Uh, Harriet. And this weekend, Elaine Page, you know, theatre royalty, wow. is playing for the first 
public um, performance of a track from it on Jilly Cooper's birthday on Sunday. And that's another thing we did in lockdown. We actually got those recorded by phenomenal people. Anyway, so it is on ice, but it's still, things are still moving and changing going. And I'm still actually negotiating on a distribution of the short film I made. And so it's balancing both. And I do think that balancing both <clears throat> as well as being uh, pretty much a full-time parent as well, um, <laughs> It's all about time management and yeah. I have to say saying no and managing that's probably one of my weak points. Mm. Uh, who needs sleep? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I would say that if you can nail time management as well, you've got the winning combo. Okay. Um, and I will just continue doing both because <clears throat> these days I think you can have a portfolio career. Love it. It's, it's it, you know, just do every, just do everything. Yeah. Just do everything. And when it stops bringing joy and when it starts mm. grinding you into the ground, then yeah. pause it because yeah. we're allowed to. The joyometer. And focus on the other thing. That's amazing. I discovered this amazing um, acronym recently, Libby. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's VPJ, Value, mm -hmm. Profit, Joy. Where do you add the most value? Where can you make the most profit? And what brings you the most joy? Love that. And even if you're negotiating like a contract with, say, a company and you're trying to, you know, discuss how much, you know, they're going to pay you, um, you can even say, look, I know what, where I can add the most value and um, what brings me the most joy. And I know that, it, you know, um, I have to sort of be feeling this level of energy coming back to me for me to get, you know, the optimum joy and deliver the most value. And I thought, cripes, that's a really great way of um, thinking about things. That is fantastic. And that, I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Um, just on the topic of motherhood quickly, Libby, um, do you have a top tip for mums? Because you were like, you know, time management and it, it sounds very easy when you when you hear that word. But do you have a couple of top tips for how to like manage your time more more effectively? Um, not to harp on about other people so much, but I do think having a having a, a group of mothers around you or people going through the same sort of type thing as you at the same time. That's really helped. I have a wonderful group, the Ballon Bumps from the Bump and Baby group, and we're still really okay. close uh come on two years later two years later um so having people you can go for a coffee with you can go for a walk with you can cry on the shoulder of um <laughs> you yeah. can say i haven't showered for three days too um or or and slash or a supportive partner have someone in your life that you yeah. can rely on because it, it does take a village i know another hackneyed phrase um mm. and another uh <clears throat> one of my very very close closest probably mother friend locally iona iona hi probably since it's howard um <laughs> has an acronym that she says to me fig jam fig jam um fuck i'm great just admire me um so <laughs> every so often when we're covered in mashed potato um <laughs> that's something that you cling to but it is again it is it is having those supportive people in your life taking a breath yeah if it ever gets too much go for a walk yeah, you know, that's good. Um, that, those are those are the, the the things I think everyone says. But it, yeah, when you're doing it, it really is the the fundamental difference between sink or swim. Totally. And with the kind of fig aspect, the fuck I'm great aspect, uh, is there something around that the kind of kind in a voice? You know, like treat yourself with oh, kindness. So there's you'll find there's all these things that you think you have to do for your your child a certain way. <clears throat> you know, they need they need this development tool for their that toy for their development and they they need the breast milk over the formula or they need the fat sorry vaginal birth over a c-section and actually uh, a quarter of people around there born by a c-section you can't tell they're not horribly like terrible or anything like yeah. that loads of the people walking about have formula you can't tell it's completely yeah. women beat themselves up um on like how they should parent mm. um and that's old-fashioned fed is best you know yeah. and and you know what if the baby is out and healthy and you're healthy that's best i had an elective cesarean um mm -hmm. and i i my my birth was magical in fact i was asked to write a piece for it for um 
be uh, for a magazine because there's not enough positive things said about totally. making that choice. Just yeah. make that choice for you. And my baby is incredibly, my little son is incredibly healthy. And I was only on Eurofan for t- 10 days and was absolutely fine. So none of these sort of weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. Of, so it's, it's all down to the individual, but totally. make that choice and 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 try to avoid the judgment and the negativity that will inevitably be there. Yeah, always. Find some few people you can, you yeah. can hang with and... and yeah, for survival. I love how you say that because um, I hear from friends that sometimes you get quite a lot of judgment from mothers-in-laws and, you know, they did things differently and inevitably they've had more experience, but it doesn't mean they know best. So thank you for, you know, um, debunking that myth, really. Every child is a total individual. Totally. Every child's It would be insane to say they all have to be parented the same way. They're yeah. so different. Absolutely. Um, and something I've noticed, certainly from my twin, um, is she wasn't afraid to sort of um, call on resources of people who had strengths in different areas. So she actually used like a sort of night nanny. Um, and from day two, the night nanny had her son Felix waking up once in the night. And um, I must admit, I sort of thought before, oh, that's very sort of middle class, you know, who does that? That sounds a bit ridiculous. But actually it's really changed my view because it's worked so well. And she always had a lot of, you know, sleep, high quality sleep. And she'd be meeting up with other mums right, who were well, exhausted. I'm, I'm envious of that because Bowen didn't sleep through, so he was one. Wow. So <laughs> Yeah. Very jealous about that. But yeah, as you say, don't be afraid to do things differently. Emma had a cesarean elective as well. And for her, it was like a walk in the park. I'm not saying it always is. It's not always for women, of course, but um, yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't tell anyone you have to do it this way. Absolutely, you've got to do it the right way. But all I'm saying is you get quite a lot of guilt for stuff. Totally. Totally. It will just make it easier. Men men, men would have a C-section straight away. Oh my gosh. Totally. That's (laughs) so true. There are so many great one-liners that you're coming out with. So true. So um, this is a good question to sort of almost round up on Libby. Um, What does success mean to you? It's obviously quite a big existential question. It is. Yes. It's a very good question, Mm. which is a buying time phrase. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What does success mean for me? Um, Okay, so this is, okay, so this is quite an interesting point. Um, Through the Groucho Club, who I love, I've been doing these Monday morning sort of get-togethers through lockdown at 10 a.m. with this um, coach, Lorna Mann. And when we started lockdown, she asked about success. What does success mean to you? Think of a time that you've been successful this way. And then she said something like, when have you successfully relaxed? Or when have you had the most relaxed, successful day? And I said, I'm so sorry. That makes no sense to me. What Those two things don't match. Hmm. That's an oxymoron. You know, success is goals and drive and achievement. Relaxation is time off. Hmm. I don't, how can you? But actually, what I've come to realize doing a lot of soul searching during lockdown and a change of my entire life, really, and how I work, is that uh, to lead a successful life is to lead a life of value and joy and stimulation and and all of that combined in all different parts of your life, mm. not just work. Mm. So although it is drive and, 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 and achieving, it is also being happy and content while doing that. Lovely. I love that. That sounds like a very balanced approach to happiness. Lovely. So um, just to wrap up, Libby, it's so, so fascinating talking to you. Um, where can our listeners find you? You've mentioned, obviously, a couple of names. Oh, yes. So um, probably most actively on my Instagram, which is a little sip of me time. Uh-huh. A little bit of me time, but a little sip of me time with underscores underneath uh, between the letters. Uh-huh. And uh, our TV is at Boozy Beast TV uh-huh. or the YouTube channel Boozy and the Beast. Uh, my company is Bacchus and Brody, and also Libby Brody Productions. Both have websites, so yeah, you can find me. You Amazing! Can find me. I love it. Career change in COVID done like a champ. Amazing! Um, it's been so fascinating talking to you, Libby. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm sure people Thank have got so much. so much out of this. So um, 
yeah, I can't wait to see where you go with all this. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening. Good. Thanks again, Libby, and see you soon.